Well, good morning, everyone. I trust you are all doing well. How are you liking this weather? (laughs) Yeah, there are signs that spring is around, and that's great. Um, So I was asked yesterday afternoon to uh, share this morning because uh, Pastor Steve, as you heard, uh, came down with some form of illness. I don't think it's COVID, maybe. Maybe it is, I'm not sure. Um, We don't know very many details. But anyway, I said, sure. And I thought, you know what, last minute, I'm just going to bring up an old sermon and we'll just, you know, recycle that and that'll be fine. I'll tweak it or whatever. And I just, as I was going through the old messages, I just thought, you know what, it's just, we're at too crucial of a time in our, in our church's um, life and at this point in our, uh, this season in our life for us to just dig up some old message and, and hope that it flies with us. Uh, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to dig deep. So I, I started working on it yesterday afternoon and kind of got into it, it, finished it this morning in the wee hours. And, and that's, uh, that's what we have this morning. So uh, flaws and all, here we go. Uh, I'm calling this message Posture Over Position. And it is a message, I think, that's very timely for us in this community. It's a message about unity, unity in the body. Um, and it's, you know, we've all, those of us who've grown up in the church, who've been raised in, in the church, have probably no shortage of messages on unity that you've heard. And so perhaps there's nothing new this morning. Um, but the, considering the times that we are in, the very unique circumstances that uh, not just our community but our society at large is in right now, I thought um, maybe it's a good reminder just to have this message. And so, um, yeah, let's go there. Let, let, let me ask you, and perhaps don't raise your hand here, but when it comes to masking, what was the flavor of conversations taking place in your home throughout this pandemic? And did that change as the pandemic wore on and on and on and on? Many of you, well, maybe not many of you, some of you know that I work in public health and I work in particular in uh, communications where for the past two years, uh, day in and day out, I have had the opportunity, I don't know if that's quite the word, or privilege, I don't think so. In fact, the, the language I would want to use in this would probably not be acceptable to, to say from the front, but uh, it has been my job, day in and day out, needless to say, to listen to every view possible that exists on this pandemic. And let me tell you, folks, there have been a few. There have been quite a few. We need to ease up on masking, Masking mandates need to be enforced stronger. COVID is still out there. No more vaccinations. You're turning us into a nanny state. Vaccination restrictions being lifted? Are you kidding? What about the immunocompromised? What about those that are more vulnerable? The vaccines don't even work. Look at us. 90% of our population is vaccinated and, and people are still getting COVID all over the place. Vaccines work great. Look at the hospitalizations and ICU reduction. It's amazing. We need to trust those in authority over us. They're placed there for a reason. We can't trust those in authority over us because they're all just a bunch of slimy politicians. Oh my gosh, this is, this is uh, somewhat cathartic actually for me to do this. <laughs> Maybe we should do this more. Um, the point is I've, I've had a front row seat to this 
let's just call it this whole mess over the past, uh, well, two plus years now. And I guess I'm particularly sensitive to how divisive these, this topic, COVID, the pandemic, has been in our society. And as much as possible in our home, we have uh, done our best to avoid sort of dissension and disagreement with friends and family. And I'm sure to some degree, all of us have been doing that. But I think all of us have a story or two of, you know, maybe not perhaps us directly, but people we know who have lost um, relationships with acquaintances and family members, and even close friends who... Um, those relationships now are so strained because of such stark ideological differences that COVID has brought to the surface. And, and that's the thing. And perhaps you've heard this uh, said before, and I know I have as well, that COVID didn't necessarily create disagreement in our society, um, but it revealed or, or it exposed what has been bubbling just sort of underneath the surface for the past couple of years leading up to this, hasn't it? And that the division that we've seen in recent months is only a surprise to those who have not been paying attention for the past few years leading up to this pandemic. That there are ideological camps that many of us fall in, whether it's, uh, you know, the narrow-minded conservatives or the woke-minded liberals or anywhere in between um, that we fall into and then we get entrenched in. And I'll tell you, the media doesn't help much in this, does it? We have uh, social media algorithms that have us wrapped around their finger that feed us content in such a way that it has us glued to our screens, scrolling over and over and over, being reinforced with the messages that we want to hear, that we align with, that we uh, are in agreement with, so that our heels are further dug in deep on the sides that we know are right, so that we can show once and for all that We've got the truth. We've got the, the right perspective. And those other poor saps, <laughs> they're wrong, right? And so media doesn't help us. Um, there's not a lot of hope in this regard, is there? Like, it's a pretty bleak situation. And I think just before we even get further, like, let's just, ex- let's just concede and, and not be naive that this is the reality we're in as a society. It's a very unique situation, uh, we've never had the kind of media exposure that we have today. You know, everyone gets a platform. Everyone gets to tailor their content to what they want to see and what they want to hear. That's a recipe for disaster and a recipe for division. Now, this division is only is is um, not something that is you know only out there in our in our society, right? Um, lest you begin to think there that it is you know only exists beyond our church walls or, or is, you know, confined merely to, again, this topic of the pandemic. Um, let me gently remind you that from what I've seen in my conversations with people in our own community and at Grassroots Church, and, and some of you I see are, are new folks, but I'm sure you've seen this as well in the context you come from, that the views and the opinions on COVID, whether they be masking or vaccines or restrictions or whatever, are, are a mere microcosm of what is being seen out there in the world. In other words, grassroots, this community represents the full spectrum of positions on this topic. But COVID isn't the only thing that there's a myriad of views on, and particularly within the church. And I doubt it will become to a surprise to any of us who have spent much time in the church, but uh, the church is a breeding ground 
Oh, that's very tiny. <laughs> It'll be bright your spectacles. The church is a breeding ground. I put this together in about five minutes as PowerPoint this morning, just so we have some visuals to complement us, but I did not check the size of the font. I apologize. Um, but the church is a breeding ground for divisive topics and disagreements. Like, it's almost as if disagreements and division were built into the fabric or the structure of this whole enterprise called the church. Go figure, right? I mean, who could possibly think that there would be disagreements when a group of people are trying to base their lives around a book that was written 2,000 years ago in a culture so far removed from our own in languages that aren't even spoken anymore? And, and, you know, we're trying to base our lives off this first century rabbi who taught a way to live in his Middle Eastern culture that we are trying to contextualize in 2022 and, you know, go out and live our lives in, in light of that. And, and, and that's the thing. When it all boils down to it, th- this is the ask of us as Christians. We are trying to appropriate these ancient texts and these teachings that we read in our Bibles into 21st century life to somehow sift through all of the the, the cultural and the linguistic challenges to to put these words of scripture into their historical context so we really can get at what is trying to be said so that we can go out and live um, lives that reflect Jesus in 2022, that bring hope to those around us in 2022. So yeah, there's going to be disagreement about that, isn't there? There's going to be a lot of conversation and dialogue and perhaps dissension as to what that looks like for you and me this year. And this, my friends, is why the latest Wikipedia stats show that there are 45,000 denominations within Christianity. Now, you take Mormons and JWs out of that, that's still 44,998 denominations. (laughs) Because there are a lot of different views and understandings of how exactly we are to live and what we are to think and believe about this faith. The reality is the church um, just hasn't done a great job of coming to a consensus on this. I'm always reminded of this cartoon. I think I've actually shared it before. Again, kind of hard to see, I apologize. But, you know, there's this guy who's professor at a college, and he's teaching about churches and Christian movements throughout history. And he's got this whole tree of all the different movements that have come out. And then he's circling one of them, and he says, and so this is where our movement came along and finally got the Bible right. And one of the students says, man, Jesus is so lucky to have us. I love, I love this cartoon. It, it works, it's, it encapsulates, encapsulates so much, doesn't it? And thankfully, the scriptures are very aware of this. Paul, who wrote to a lot of the different churches who were dealing with unity issues, divisiveness in their churches, he was... Um, he had no shortage of things to talk about regarding unity. And one of the key passages that I like to refer to, um, that most people who ever speak on unity will refer to as sort of their jumping off passage, is Philippians 2. And, and we're going to look at that if you'd like to turn there right now, just starting at the, chap- uh, at the verse 1. And this is what Paul says. Therefore, 
oh, sorry. <laughs> Look it on your phone or in the Bible in front of you, you'll be able to read it. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Excuse me, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Excuse me. So, uh, right again, in these first couple of verses, we see that you know, Paul's laying it out pretty nicely uh, as to what does it mean to be united in Christ. But for those of us, in, or those of us uh, who maybe are in need of more concrete <laughs> evidence or examples of what that actually looks like, that's great because Paul continues. This is what he says, and this is a very, um, very common, very popular passage in the New Testament. He says in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So when Paul says, you know, be of the same mindset, you're probably thinking kind of what I've always thought about this, that, um, you know, we're called to be in agreement with one another about our beliefs, about our position on issues um, regarding, you know, issue X and, and, and the issue Y of our day. Get it? X and Y? That's a, that's a pun. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Social, okay. Uh, when we agree on, on crucial doctrines and, and those pressing social issues of our day, then we are of the same mind. You know, like, yay, go us. That's kind of how I've always understood being of the same mind. We need to more or less just agree with each other, and then we can move along. And, and that's a good thing. And I think to some degree, we should probably strive for that. But I, I don't think, I know that Paul is not getting at that here, because he says uh, to be like-minded and having the same love and do nothing out of selfish ambition <clears throat> or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Now, that's a solid line right there. Just meditate on that for one second. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So here are very clear actions that we are called to have when it comes to disagreeing with one another or pursuing unity. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but think about it. Be of the same mind equals do nothing out of selfish ambition. Be of the same mind equals do nothing out of, of selfish ambition. But doesn't be of the same mind mean agree with each other about atonement or masking? Vaccines or LGBTQ matters? Doesn't being of the same mind mean we have the same ecclesiology or our same understanding of evangelism? Shouldn't that be what it is? But no. Paul says that being of the same mind means doing nothing out of selfish ambition 
or vain conceit. So it's almost as if like-mindedness, and this is key, like-mindedness or unity in Christ has very little to do with our position on the topic or the subject matter and everything to do with our posture toward the topic. And thanks, brother. Matt's, is it really not great? Okay. All right, wonderful. Is that better? Yeah, could you hear my gulp? Good. Is this, okay, how are we doing now? Is this better? Okay, I won't have to yell as much. Get that fire and brimstone going. Um, but yeah, it seems that like-mindedness to Paul does not mean, does not equate to agreeing with each other on every topic, on every subject matter, or on any of subject matter. He's more concerned about our posture towards something, toward an issue, whether it's theological or social or whatever it might be, than he is toward our actual position on it. Let me say that again. Paul is more concerned about our posture, how we approach the individual or the specific topic or or the subject matter. He's more uh, concerned about that than he is about the actual position we land on. So he's not saying you need to agree with each other about issue X or issue Y. He's saying we need to have the same approach to dealing with issue X or issue Y as one another. Having the mindset of Christ that Paul talks about in verse 5 has little to do with our position and everything to do with our posture. And then that begs the question, perhaps, what is our posture then supposed to be? Well, thankfully, Paul does not leave us hanging. He always comes to this conclusion, and I think most followers of Jesus would agree that this is always sort of the culmination of where our faith uh, needs to, to point. And so he continues in verse five, or in verse five, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, again, explaining what that means. What is that mindset in Christ Jesus? Is it agreeing with everyone? No. This is what Jesus did, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he didn't play up on his role as God. He didn't like take advantage of that entitled position, which he definitely could have. Rather, he made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what does it mean to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, folks. It means two things based on this passage, or kind of more or less one thing, but it means one, living in a way that sets aside our individual power, our individual privilege, our individual position of entitlement for the sake of others. In the same way that Jesus empties himself of his divinity for our sake. And it means humbling ourselves by becoming servants to one another. Being willing to serve each other in radical love. Radical love that in Jesus' case looked like the cross. It's 
this servant love of a posture of giving to the needs of those around us, of emptying ourselves so that your needs can be met. And Jesus' mindset that we are to adopt for the sake of unity, whether it's a vaccine position or it's an understanding of atonement or whatever it is, it's to begin with sacrificial, self-giving, self-denying, others-focused posture toward those in this community. We take this approach because Jesus demonstrated it for us first. And 2,000 years later, we're still talking about that, right? Because we know that the cross is not the end of the story here. And that's it. In our disagreements, in the various positions that we might hold in contrast to those around us, to our family, our friends, to our church community, we have hope in the resurrection life and the glorious exaltation that Jesus experienced. Verse nine, he says this, therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus who isn't in the grave or hanging on the cross, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Death wasn't the end, right? Death wasn't the end of the story, but it required the posture of humility and obedience in, to, in order to experience the glory of exaltation. Let me, let me say that again. In case you get stuck on the fact that it ends at the cross, it doesn't. Followers of Jesus, resurrection people, are called to have hope beyond the grave, in a resurrection life that looks very much what is shared here, that in order for that glory of exaltation to be experienced, it has to start with the cross. It has to start with the denying of ourselves, a uh, posture of obedience and self-sacrifice and giving and emptying of ourselves for the sake of the other. And this ought to be the difference between disagreements in the church and what we would expect to see in the world. Because, you know, all of us live in the world. We live in our society. We experience disagreements that we either witness or we even we take part of. Um, and, you know, sometimes that gets resolved. Absolutely. Sometimes we, you know, the, it's not to say that the world can't resolve conflict or disagreements on things. Sometimes we find a way to each other that allows some kind of unity, but just as often, and perhaps even more so, we see, especially in today's climate, people digging in their heels, right? And getting further entrenched and ensnared in their ideologies and in their camps and saying, this is the truth and everyone else is wrong. And so we see a lack of grace and forgiveness and humility in those interactions, but before we contrast the world too starkly with the church, don't start patting ourselves on the back and thinking that we've got it all together. Because again, let me remind you, 45,000 denominations in, 500 past, in the past 500 years is, I think, a bit, is a bit of a narrative in itself in how we as a church have not practiced unity very well. And that's because power 
and greed and pride, all these sins, they, these forces, they find their way into the church. And whenever that happens, um, division and, and dissension and resentment and all these ugly things, they result from that. And I'm sure many of us have tasted that in the church context as well. But the thing is, resurrection people are supposed to practice the way of the cross precisely because we're resurrection people. Because we know the story doesn't end there. We know we can bend a knee to someone else's preference. We can swallow that pill of pride. We can walk in humility because there is real hope for renewal and restoration that begins now. Not some like pie in the sky thing after you die, but that hope and renewal, that restoration can begin now and is expressed through our unity. And this interaction with that individual that I disagree with or in this issue that I'm not on the same page with so-and-so about, or this conviction that I always thought was super important, and turns out maybe it isn't as important. There is this like way of life, this hope-filled resurrection life that you and I get to be a part of that is able to go past the issue because we start with a posture of obedience and humble, um, self-giving sacrifice to the other. And here's the beautiful thing about this posture. When everyone in the party is practicing a a laying down of power and of privilege and of entitlement, these qualities that Paul points us to, the cross about, when we're working at that, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to arrive at the position you had hoped for, but it does guarantee that it won't matter, right? Right? Being humble doesn't guarantee that everyone's going to agree on the same thing at the end of the day. But if everyone is doing that, at the end of the day, it won't matter. Because you will have this confidence that whatever that consensus or that position that is arrived at within the church, um, however that came about, it was born out of a mutual love and respect, humility, and self-giving. Amen? And so this is the posture that as followers of Jesus, we are called to pursue, to strive toward in our quest for unity in the church. Because having the same mindset as Jesus doesn't mean mean that we will agree on all the things all the time. There is a word for that. That word is cult, right? If we're a cult, we are forced coerced, however cults work, I'm not sure, I've never been a part of one, um, to get in step with one another in terms of exactly how we think, right? There's no room for dissension. There's no room for disagreement. If you don't like it, whew, there's, you know, I've watched the documentaries, there's serious consequences. But resurrection people are not cultic people. <laughs> we are not a culture that... Um, discourages questioning or discourages disagreement because we know that that disagreement is not born out of pride that uh, elevates itself over the other or or a sense that we have to be right or else, you know, this is the hill I'm going to die on or whatever. 
if we're resurrection people who can follow these words in Philippians 2 about laying down our lives and being humble in uh, taking on the servant nature as followers of Jesus, then we can have lots of disagreements. We can have lots of opinions on things. Absolutely. So before I um, close, close up this morning, I want to uh, just take a few minutes as we wrap up to consider, you know, ways that this can move from our head. You know, like, yeah, Paul, these words are great. I really agree with them. I think they're wonderful. Yeah. Move from that to actually, like, what does that look like and how we live in the community of grassroots? Because um, grassroots church, as I mentioned earlier, is in an interesting season right now, isn't it? For those of you who have been a part of this community for any length of time, um, maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, I guess it doesn't really matter. But grassroots is, um, you know, like the rest of society, we're emerging out of this pandemic, hopefully, I think, fingers crossed. Um, and we are faced with some rather big questions as a community. And we are trying to determine what does the future of this community look like? You know, what, what kind of pastor are we looking for right now? What organization, if any, do we want to be affiliated with? What denomination, if we pursue that, do we want to be under? Those are big questions. But beneath just the surface of, of those big questions are a whole bunch of smaller questions. Questions that are, some of them are more serious than others, but all of them should at least require discussion. Questions about our identity, questions about what we believe, both theologically and, and socially. What is our responsibility? Things like the Bible. How do we understand authority from the scriptures? That's a big question. What happens to people who don't know Jesus when they die? What role does the church tradition play in this community? Where are we going to land on LGBTQ stuff? What about matters of gender? What should our approach be to war, toward war? Are we pacifists in this community? What actually was accomplished on the cross? What does even atonement mean? And what does that say about the God that we love and the God that we worship? What is the best way to use the resources, this church, for instance, our finances that God has given to us and trusted us to use for his kingdom? How best can we use those resources? What model of church expression, our ecclesiology, what does that look like for grassroots church in 2022? There are a lot of questions, right? And if you've been a part of this community for any length of time, you know that Grassroots welcomes questions and we welcome dialogue and uh, discussions. In fact, I would say that's a part of our identity. This is my perspective. That's a part of our identity and it has been since the beginning. That Grassroots, our statement of faith on the wall out there is a reflection. It's intentionally vague so that we can have conversation around those typical things. It's not because we don't have convictions. It's not because we don't have strong positions on things, but it's because we approach those things with an attitude of humility and willingness to dialogue and disagree with it, with each other, and still come together as a loving community because that's what resurrection people do. Amen? But my point is, some of these questions, 
you know, some of them might not have to be resolved entirely. I'm not saying we have to come to a position on this or that for our church. Maybe there's space for both sides of the issue and, and dialogue. And I, and I think many of these things, there absolutely is. But sometimes there are questions that require answers, that require a response from us as a community whether we land on this side or, or that side. And so that's in, particularly, in particular where we need to practice this approach that Paul is instructing the Philippians and he's instructing you and me as followers of Jesus to carry out. This, this is where it matters that we strive to hold the mind of Christ, to be of one mind with Christ. Because there are countless stories of communities of faith, of churches out there uh, who have gone down similar roads and it did not end well for them. Church splits are happening all over the place. Um, because the matters, the, the doctrine, the social issue, the position was deemed more important and emphasized more than the posture. And I don't want grassroots to become that. I don't think you do too. I hope that as we continue in this season of big decisions, um, that we can land in a place that reflects what resurrection people have their hope placed in. And one way to start is just to ask this question, and I encourage you, if you can see it, to uh, take a picture of it or write it down. Um, But it says this, what does denying my selfish ambition to seeing others is more important than me. And good old-fashioned humility, what does it all look like toward those who don't agree with me on this issue? And fill in the blank with whatever the issue of the moment is. Um, we're supposed to have that thing happening tonight, which we don't really have a name for. Uh, I think part of our marketing should be to develop a better name for that. Um, just so we can at least call it that. But whatever that thing is that we're doing we were supposed to do tonight. Um, potentially it'll be next Sunday. I don't know when. But have this, have this question front of mind when you gather here for that, folks. Come to that conversation. Bring your hopes and dreams for this community. Bring your questions of concern. Absolutely. Again, I want to encourage that. Oh, well, uh, now it's bigger. That's great. Uh, but come with a posture of humility. Uh, you know, look at the example that Jesus gave us, recognizing it doesn't stop at the cross. That's not the end of the story. Again, don't be naive. Asking this question isn't going to ensure that you are aligned with whatever decisions are made about this church's future. But perhaps if we can continuously remind ourselves of what it looks like to have the mind of Christ and a community of so many different views in which legitimate perspectives can be arrived at that might not be your perspective. If we can tap into that truth, then maybe there, then we can experience a resurrection hope by maintaining unity and fellowship in our own church community. That's the hope I think that is worth pursuing wherever you're at this morning. Let's not elevate our position over our posture. Amen? Let's say a word of prayer. Father, this is a tough word to bring when 
so many of us, myself included, have such strong opinions on different things. And that's not to make light of those opinions or to suggest they're not important. Um, They for sure are. But Father, we ask this morning that we would all have a heart that pursues the, 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 the like-mindedness of Christ, the one mind that Christ uh, had. That wasn't about a position on a topic, but rather a posture toward our fellowship, toward our unity, a, a, a willingness to lay down our own lives for the sake of our neighbor, for the sake of this community, and ultimately for the sake of your kingdom in Thunder Bay and in this world. Lord, that's going to take a lot of work and it won't be resolved in one message. But Father, would you start to work in our hearts toward that beautiful, hopeful, resurrected life where all of that stuff can be worked out regardless of the side that our community lands on on any issue. That's my prayer this morning, Father. We pray that you would work in our hearts, work in our community, work in each of us as we pursue that. In our conversations with one another, in our families. Father, help us to reflect that even as we go out of this place and we talk with the world around us, as we deal with COVID that just won't let go and the disagreements and the frustrations with family and friends who maybe don't agree with us. Help us, God, again, to return to this posture of humble obedience. I pray this, Father, in your name.